Starfighters. This is Ruined Childhoods, and we sure are glad that you tuned in for what is sure to be a daisy of an episode. As you may know, we are on week three of our trek across America as we celebrate a cult or classic movie representing each state in alphabetical order. Last week, we hit up Alaska by way of the 1925 Charlie Chaplin classic, The Gold Rush. And this week, we're venturing south to the 48th state of the Union, the Grand Canyon State, birthplace of Barbara Eden, Emma Stone, and Mayor Winningham, Dan, welcome to Arizona. Did you know that a little over 100 years after the events of this week's film, the Jim Blossoms formed in nearby Tempe, Arizona? I did not know that, John. Well, now you do. And speaking of new miserable experiences, (laughs) Arizona is the historic site of the gunfight at the OK Corral, as depicted in the 1993 classic Tombstone. Dan. What would you like on your tombstone? Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott. You want Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott on your tombstone? Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, I, you said on. I thought you meant in. I, oh, no, on a tombstone. No. Yeah, on, on your tombstone, I'd love it to be like, here lies Dan, Kurt Russell, yeah, Val Kilmer, no. Sam Elliott, <laughs> Bill Paxton. Here, just no. I what would be on my tombstone? Just uh, I did my best. I did. My I tried. Best. I I tried, and, and I wanted it to be like in the shape of a shrug. So, I, what 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 else? Yeah, do you want? I tried. I, hey, you know, I'm just a guy. I tried. Use the space. Use the space for something. <laughs> this space yeah. for rent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> park here if you need to it's cool use this space to do whatever you'd like it's kind of like the blank page for notes yeah i guess so yeah it's yeah. just kind of a oh or like a dry erase board for like messages oh a dry like erase a, tombstone back of a yearbook oh oh like you have yeah. on your door and like your dorm room yeah, yes <laughs> nice so that someone can like write note be like hey drop by you're not here mine it would just be that cool s that you, that kids draw with the lines. Oh, You're yes. looking at no, me no, like no, you don't I know, know exactly what I'm talking about. What what you mean? It's like you know indicative of perhaps being a, a skater. Yeah. Uh, just kind of yes like the no. pointy I mean, it's just, as and the is that. It's yeah exactly. I uh, I've seen it referred to as the cool. I believe on Wikipedia it's just called cool s, and then other places it'll be like the middle school s. Wow, it's the only context in which cool and middle school are like synonymous. <laughs> uh, it has been um, attributed incorrectly to the brand Stussy. That, that I think that's what I was thinking. I think that's why I because I associate right. that brand with skater culture. Well, I don't think that the S itself is necessarily skater culture. I definitely think that when I was well. That that's a that's this is a very uh, I guess arrogant line to go down thinking like when I was a middle schooler that's when it really you know came into its own but I'm sure that that's not true. It was not the like, birth of like the, the cool S, but it was yeah. the the it was the golden age. Well, I the golden age, but I see it around all the time still. I, I still see it, and it makes me happy when I see it. Like I knew exactly what you were talking did you ever did you ever draw one of these on a notebook or something you know i i couldn't tell you for sure but yes my (laughs) curiosity got the best of me here and i looked it up uh, and let's see what did i find on beyond the streets 
Dot-com, it says, despite its prevalence across the globe and throughout the 20th century, the origin stories for the S remain shrouded in mystery. Some believe <laughs> that it is derived from Los Angeles gang culture. Others point Ooh. to various bands that may have used it in their logos. Finally, it may just be a reworked infinity symbol. There's some possibilities. So like the band Sacred Reich, which doesn't at all indicate neo-nazi yeah no that that doesn't sound no okay. not at all you know it's kind of a similar looking s the brand the suzuki brand the suzuki brand the stussy logo really doesn't look like that the sticks no. however as in the band oh yeah well they do it's like a, a pointy at the top and bottom yeah s yeah sticks does that and that suzuki does that as well suzuki is yeah. kind of the closest one that i've seen here Oh, wait, hold on a second. What is this? Scholastic Books? Scholastic Books embraced the, the middle school S? <laughs> I mean, that would kind of make sense. Hey, uh, it's a what bold brand do you What brand do you just see a ton of when you're in elementary school? So, oh, Headbangers Ball, the uh, hmm. MTV Headbangers Ball, their logo, very similar to the cool S. Nice. There's a few other uh, things on this that are like, I'm like, ah, oh, that's not even close. Oh, we need to lobby for a cool S emoji. Yeah. Where, how do we make that happen? That doesn't exist. Uh, oh, this is, I don't, wait, hold on. Vice has an article that says, I know we're, we're off on a tangent here. What the hell was that S thing everyone drew in school? Yeah, Dan, <laughs> I got to tell you, I've, I've Have you gone down a lot. This? I've gone down a lot of holes about this S. So I know exactly the articles that no, you're No, I apparently at. wait until we're recording a podcast to just sit around well, and go through the I kind of brought it up out of nowhere. And this is something that, you know, I guess when I was maybe 10, I guess you'd been 15 or 16. I guess it'd be like 1993 when Tombstone was coming out. That's when we would have seen the middle school. Yes. S. On every desk, on every notebook. And I'm, I'm so excited because uh, I just can't wait to post a picture of the cool S on Instagram uh, at rune childhoods pod. <laughs> when we're releasing, <laughs> it'd be this like, episode. you'll, you'll hear what this is yeah, all like, about. I'm soon. just going to post yeah. it right now. And I'm just going to be like, trust me. You'll want to know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I, I wonder if, well, we'll have to like um, scribble somewhere the word tombstone with the S in the middle as the cool Oh, S. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, of course, I do believe that the cool S predates tombstone, which was released on December 25th, 1993. Merry Christmas. So we are just about at the, the 30th anniversary of tombstone. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get like a special edition Blu-ray or like, uh, well, we're going to get know, tombstone in 4k for the, for the big 30. Come on. Hey, well, uh, I will say that uh, the website ScreenRant.com for this, you know, so far, like seems like every month this year, they've come out with a new article about something having to do with Tombstone, uh, whether it has to do with, you know, Kevin Costner trying to make it not happen or the top 10 Doc Holiday quotes or you know, mm -hmm. different things about Val, you know, Val Kilmer played Wyatt Earp in a straight to video, blah, 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 blah. Like there's been things about Tombstone on ScreenRant.com. So rather than going into all of those, go to ScreenRant.com, do a search for Tombstone. You can read all of them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so Dan, Tombstone, uh, were you a big fan when this came out? I feel like this would have been kind of like at that time in your life, kind of like, Right up your alley. Okay. So uh, I did see Tombstone in the theater on the big screen, at least the big screen at the Westfield Twin in Westfield, New Jersey. Rip. Okay. And really liked it. What, what, what about it did you like so much? I think that what I liked about it was that, you know, by and large, I'd always kind of felt like Westerns, especially older Westerns, were, were kind of slow. Mm-hmm. There was young guns, but it definitely didn't fit into the typical mold. Right. And I liked I was a fan of Unforgiven. I had seen so Unforgiven came out like a year and a half before this. Yeah. Uh, and I was a fan of Unforgiven. You know, we we went to see Tombstone. It looked good. I don't think at that age I was like, 
all appreciative of like, oh yeah, man, Kurt Russell, like Snake Plissken is wider. Oh yeah, I'm in. I think I was at that point, I like, you know, recognized like I liked Kurt Russell. There's a reason why the words Kurt Russell were the last allegedly to exit the mouth of a dying Walt Disney. <laughs> Did you yeah. hear? Do you We've, have we talked about this before? I don't know if we've talked about it. I've heard Allegedly, it. Walt Disney's last words were Kurt Russell, implying because Kurt Russell was like a Disney kid, you know, uh, during the, the oh, yeah, no, the, uh, final years of Walt Disney's life. You know, he was like the up and coming live action. Like the computer that wore tennis shoes. And, you know, yeah, he was yeah. like in in those movies. Well, even if the whole Kurt Russell, Walt Disney thing is a tall tale. Oh. Few tales are as tall as that of Wyatt Earp. So, Dan, I, I just, I, I'd love to know, uh, okay, so this is coming out in 1993. You're oh, 15, yeah. I guess you're 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You're seeing this in the theater. You probably had seen, well, you said uh, Unforgiven, but also yes. Young Guns and Young Guns 2 at this point. So, like, Westerns are back. They kind of disappeared for a little bit with the exception of like yeah. Back to the Future Part 3. You know, they kind of like took a little bit of a break from like the 60s and in before then when they were like yeah. really super popular. And I guess the spaghetti westerns of the of the 70s, but Well, the spaghetti westerns were more like late 60s. Late 60s, that's true, yeah. So they kind of petered out. Like I'm trying to think of like what were the big westerns of the 70s. Because uh, I think Once Upon a Time in the West is in yeah. like 68 or 69. Yeah, they just kind of- Good, the bad, you know, and the ugly. Slipped yeah. out of, you know, ultra popularity for a little while. And this was like- Blazing Saddles is like the only oh, 70s Saddles, Western yeah. I, I can think of yeah. right now. I'm sure that, I think like the Long Riders in 1980, yeah. uh, there's that, you know, like you get- you get one every they now don't and just, again. It didn't completely disappear, but like it, right. they didn't be, they weren't as popular as they had been. And so, you know, we have this resurgence. You know, you look at movies from the you know, 40s and 50s, there's a, like just a oh, ton of Westerns. Yeah. Like, People were fucking crazy for them. Oh yeah, it was everybody, and you like see these like the uh, like posters for these westerns. Like you know, you, when you're really like just scrolling through, like you don't, you're not, you're not gonna actually watch anything. You're just scrolling through your streaming services, and you're looking at just like all the like you know random shit that's on there, and it's just like all these you know, Ronald Coleman and Lydia Fontaine, right? Bells of the Mississippi, which I think might actually probably actual movie sounds like one but it's like all of these you know the things that blazing saddles parodies all of these you know randolph scott you know yeah. <laughs> like well, also there were already a ton of movies about wyatt earp and doc holiday oh, and yeah. uh, this is just you know kind of like hey we're gonna do this but we're gonna do it a little bit differently it's really going to feature a lot about the friendship of these two guys, less about some of the other qualities of Wyatt Earp's life. We alluded to this on the last episode, but this was also at a time when uh, there was a bit of a battle of the Wyatt Earp movies. Um, you know, Kevin Costner was originally supposed to be involved with this one, but kind of had a falling out, I guess, with the production and just decided I'm going to make my own wider movie and tried to like, yeah. And went to every studio with the exception of Disney and said, don't release that tombstone movie. And, you know, Kevin Costner, uh, you know, had a lot of sway at the time and, uh, people listened to him. And so he made his like three or four hour sweeping biopic of Wyatt Earp that, Nobody liked except for Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner made it for an audience of one. For an audience Kevin of one. Kevin Costner. Yeah. And I mean, but there's there's also some other amazing actors in that. The aforementioned Mayor Winningham, for example. And I would say I remember from what I saw of it, I feel I feel like, you know, maybe Doc Holliday is just kind of like one of those roles that gives you a lot to, to work with. But I feel like Dennis Quaid Dennis, was. Yeah. I feel like had, had Wyatt Earp come out before... Val Kilmer portrayed Doc Holliday. Yeah. 
I yes. think that everyone would be like, yeah, Dennis Quaid was great. It's but instead, it's just like, <laughs> you got Gene Hackman in there as, you know, for Big a Daddy little Earp. bit. Yeah. Big Daddy Earp. Yeah. He's in there for for a little while. Um, yeah. You have Mark Harmon as Behan. Uh, Michael Madsen is Virgil. Catherine O'Hara yeah. is uh, Virgil's wife, the hilariously named Allie Earp. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Bill Pullman as Ed Masterson, Isabella Rossellini as Big Nose Kate, Tom Sizemore, Joe Beth Williams, James Gammon. Uh, I already said Mayor Winningham, Adam Baldwin, Annabeth Gish as uh, Wyatt Earp's first right. wife. Hey, Leone's in there. Didn't uh, Lawrence Kasdan direct that one? Yes. And yeah. uh, also Martin Cove, Cobra Kai's own. Oh, Crease. Yeah. yeah. So it had a lot going for it, with the exception of Kevin Costner. <laughs> really stunk up the joint. Well, I mean, it also kind of just seemed to be like a... I don't know, like, it didn't seem to have much to offer. Like, the easy comparison is Armageddon Deep Impact, though I dare say Deep Impact holds its own much better than Wyatt Earp, though sure. it is the Wyatt Earp in that Okay, equation. Volcano Dante's Peak. Right, except, again, I, I mean, actually, I don't know which Volcano, is which wait, in that Don one. Well, Dante's Peak was the Pierce Brosnan... Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton one. I, I think Volcano was kind of the bigger Tommy Lee budget Jones one. I think Volcano is the more Armageddon one because Volcano mm. was volcanoes happening where there aren't volcanoes because it was just like all of a sudden volcanoes like I, yeah. like developed like in L.A. Yeah. Whereas Dante's Peak was like, oh, that volcano is not going to erupt. Oh, what's yeah. that volcano doing? Oh, <laughs> it's shit, erupting. it's erupting. <laughs> yeah. Come with me, Linda Hamilton. Let me hold you close to me. Yeah. Linda Hamilton, who I recently watched in an episode of Murder, She Wrote, also with oh. Brian Cranston, a very oh. young Brian Cranston. Wow. Yeah. And Murder, She Wrote is... John, I have a question for you. I'm glad yes, you brought sir. up Murder, She Wrote because yes, I was going to ask you this. This is a bit of a tangent. So I have a question for you because there, there. I mean, other than the TV movies that were made of Murder, She Wrote, how would you revisit Murder, She Wrote? You wouldn't. Like, I don't think we're going to do a Murder, She Wrote episode ever, but like... No, no. Uh, I, you know, Murder, She Wrote is Angela Lansbury. That's all there is to it. There could not be any other. You don't see Murder She Wrote in any other iteration. You don't see it working. We already are seeing it in other iterations. You know, we're seeing the the person who is an un, unwitting detective, uh, who is perhaps a podcaster. Only murders in the building. You know, right. uh, oh. you know, you have things like that where okay. it's maybe taking different forms other than like a mystery writer. They they happen all the time. But for exactly murder, she wrote. What are you going to do? Nothing. No. OK. Back to Wyatt Earp. Dan, this is something that I have never shared before. And uh, I would love for this to be my one and only opportunity to do so. Okay. Oh, okay. So Wyatt Earp is coming out in '94. Uh, that's summer of '94, and then correct. What? When exactly did Forrest Gump come out? Oh, same like right. Yeah. Like maybe the same weekend. Right. So I remember, and I'm sure that I was like looking through the newspaper at the movie listings or something, and I see Forrest Gump and Wyatt Earp, and I'm 11 at this point. And so I don't know anything and I didn't know who Wyatt Earp was, but I'm just looking at the newspaper and this is like my little 11 year old listens to a lot of stand up comedy brain being like Forrest Gump and Wyatt Earp. What's with the names of people these days? Whatever happened to like <laughs> Billy Jones? Like that's my internal mind. I never like said those words out loud before, but that's like what I was thinking. And I was just like, what's with these silly names? So I'm, I'm thrilled now uh, to know that first of all, the movie Wyatt Earp is a real stinker. 
But also, it's also funny to me that like, okay, then Forrest Gump became this huge, pivotal, cultural, iconic movie that doesn't hold up quite well. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Wyatt Earp, I suppose, has aged just fine because it kind of started out terrible. Yeah, well, I watched Wyatt Earp the other day, and I will say... I believe that the the historical accuracy is supposed to be a little bit more spot on than Tombstone. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, and just you wait. There's a lot of it that's, you know, a lot of the stuff comes down just from like people's retellings of the stories of the Earp brothers and Wyatt's upbringing and things like that. And even when I look at articles that talk about Wyatt Earp's life, they don't necessarily match up with either of these two movies. I imagine, though, that the more historically accurate is likely to be Wyatt Earp because it does go further into his background, uh, you know, yeah. as as a younger guy and his, you know, first wife who died oh. and his alcoholism and uh, what he and Virgil and uh, Morgan were up to back in Dodge City and them deciding to move to uh, Tombstone, which Wyatt wants to do to just kind of like clear everything out, you know, clean slate, start somewhere new. But Allie Earp, Catherine O'Hara is like, <laughs> don't you dare take us away from here. This is more than just you and your brothers. This is our family. And, da -da 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 -da. and she's more of a character than uh, Allie Earp is in Tombstone. Right. You know, I, I think another difference between the two is I believe that Costner and Kasdan were perhaps trying to make a more biographical film, whereas sure. uh, the director of Tombstone, George uh, Cosmatos... And we say director uh, in quotes. Oh, uh, right. Well, yeah. Although I, I will say, like, his commentary leads me to believe that... Because I know, yes, legend is that... It, like Kurt Russell. <laughs> so as the story goes, and this all kind of came up after George Cosmatos's death. I don't remember exactly how you say his last name. That Kurt Russell approached Sylvester Stallone, his tango and cash buddy, and said, I need somebody to, to be a, you know, a ghost director on this movie. Just somebody who's just going to show up and, you know, lend a few things here and there, but really I'm going to do it. And uh, he suggested, you know, director of Cobra and Rambo 3. Rambo who, 2. Was it 2? I think. Yeah. Rambo 2, yeah. who was essentially the ghost director for those movies where Stallone really, you know, took the reins. It's actually funny because uh, Tombstone does feature Frank Stallone as Ed Bailey. Yes. Yeah, always oh, good to see Frank Stallone. Yeah, he's not bad. You know, he's fine. It's, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. But I will say this: so from, uh, so I watched the uh, director's cut, which just features mm. a few minutes, like a couple of brief scenes that, like you know, explain a couple of things that go unexplained in the movie, like what happens to Doc Holliday's girlfriend, Big Nose Kate. Yeah, thank you. Like. Why does she all of a sudden just disappear? And so there, there's a little bit more with that. I think there was another scene just to kind of show where Doc is at a certain point when like when mm -hmm. thing, I think when all of the when the Earps get attacked, when uh, Virgil's, uh, you know, really badly injured and loses the use of his arm and Morgan. Yeah. Bill Paxton's uh, Morgan, character. Morgan's killed. But I, I do think going back to the Wyatt Earp versus Tombstone thing that Wyatt Earp was trying to be more of a biographical yeah. film, whereas Tombstone, like in the director's commentary, you know, he does talk about as as you're going through, especially, um, you know, the beginning of the film as he's established as they're establishing the, the setting and the characters, the Cowboys. there's a lot of allusion to an homage to classic Westerns. Yeah. And he references a lot of directors, both really well-known directors. You know, he talks about John Ford, of course. Yeah. But he also talks about, I don't think I wrote down the name, but like he talked about this other director who he was like, he, this guy was the most like underrated director. Mm -hmm. I have no doubts that George Cosmatos did a lot while he was there. 
But I know from hearing different accounts, Kurt Russell was the one who was drawing up, you know, the shot lists each day because George Cosmetos was just missing a bunch of stuff. And he wasn't even the original director on the movie. The original right. director who- was the writer whose name I'm pulling up, Kevin Jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was supposed to be the original director, but kept on, you know, screwing up. And so that's when. Uh, Kurt Russell brought in George Cosmetos. I mean, look, regardless, I think it all turned out for the best because yeah. I really think that the the final product, it really works and it gives you like we don't need the actual history. And it's funny, the author the the uh extent of authenticity in this uh, is very much focused on the mustaches in the uh in the director's comments. Yeah, and I know that George Cosmetos was, you know, one of the things that he really focused on was the accuracy of the guns and the yes. costumes and yes. everything that they had. And I watched a few like behind the scenes featurette things in which a lot of the actors, you know, Powers Booth was talking a lot about you know, his red, bright red shirt that he wore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, in a lot of Westerns, you see people wearing like a lot of beige and brown and, and but it wasn't like that. Like they were really embracing fashions that were coming in from Europe. And that's, you know, that's what it was like. It was very colorful. But Dan, yeah, why no, don't I do yeah. a little synopsis just real quick? Oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> So, of all the famous historical figures of the Wild West, few are as virtuous or complicated as Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, and his brothers, Virgil and Morgan. After leaving Dodge City as lawmen, the Earp brothers decided to start new lives in the private sector on the up-and-coming city of Tombstone, Arizona. Wyatt quickly established himself as a local watering holes poker dealer and gambling enforcer, partially thanks to his already strong reputation as a law enforcer and breaker. Also in town are the Red Sash-wearing Cowboys, a group of charismatic no-goodniks who are as ruthless and rude as they are fun-loving. The Cowboys are led by Curly Bill, who helps keep the group in line, especially since some members are hot-tempered, like Johnny Ringo. Johnny has a quick trigger finger and isn't afraid to use it, and he has found his match in professional gambler Doc Holliday. Doc, who suffers from tuberculosis, has only a few friends, alcohol, his gal Big Nose Kate, and his BFF Wyatt Earp. As Curly Bill, Johnny Ringo, and the Cowboys increasingly terrorize Tombstone, the Earp boys are given no choice but to take the law into their own hands. Virgil and Morgans are the first to be deputized and quickly enact a no-guns policy. After the Cowboys continue to act a fool, Wyatt and Doc get involved and set off on a mission to rid Tombstone of the Cowboys once and for all. And that's not to mention any of the, you know, love story that right. happens between between Wyatt and uh, Josie. Well, she goes by Josie and Wyatt Earp, but she goes by Josephine in this one, which is kind of like a funny difference between the two. But Yeah, yeah. So Kurt Russell is Wyatt Earp, Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday, Sam Elliott is Virgil Earp in the role he was born to play, Bill Paxton is Morgan Earp, <laughs> Powers Booth is Curly Bill, Michael Bean is Johnny Ringo, and Freaking rules. Uh, we have Charlton yes. Heston in a little cameo as Henry Hooker, Jason Priestley as Billy Breckenridge. Uh, we have Stephen Lang as Ike Clinton, Thomas Hayden Church as Billy Clinton, Dana Delaney as Josephine. Uh, we have Dana Wheeler Nicholson as Maddie, Wyatt's common law wife, uh, who has an opium addiction. Mm-hmm. We have Joanna Pacula as Big Nose Kate, Michael Rooker. As Sherman yeah. McMasters, we have Billy Bob Thornton as Johnny Tyler, uh, who's fantastic. We've got Billy Zane as Mr. Fabian, the thespian. Billy, did, you know what I learned from the uh, from the commentary? Billy Bob Thornton uh, ad libbed. Yeah, I don't think that his his character really had any lines written, and it was just no. like. Go for it. His direction was be a bully. Yeah. And he's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, he's so good. And this is, you know, this is a few years before, you know, people really started to take notice of him with Sling Blade. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's a writer, so it makes sense that he was able to create this character for himself really flesh I think out. he'd been on a, a sitcom like yeah, with he, John Ritter. Yeah, but he like, you know, he wasn't the yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, the, you know, the the oh, William no. Robert Thornton that we all know and Well, love. I mean, it was, I mean, yes, a Sling Blade, you know, yeah. 
really establish him. But anyway, uh, you were saying. Terry O'Quinn as the mayor, Robert Mitchum as the narrator. Uh, we have Wyatt Earp III, who is like, you know, Wyatt Earp's fifth cousin, seventh removed or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. I I really liked, there were a lot of elements with these, you know, smaller characters that I really loved. There was, you know, Jason Priest's character, Billy Breckenridge, and the maybe romance that he's having with yeah. Billy Zane's character. You know, we get some we get some hints at a, yeah. at a you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is nice. You know, they, yeah. they weren't over the top with it, and it seemed like nobody minded that there was some sort of romance between the two of them. Right. Well, I yeah, I I I mean, I to be honest, I don't think I mean at least, you know, when you're talking about in the movie, uh, I don't think anyone noticed. Well, I don't know, because there's the there's the moment when you know, he's performing Shakespeare and Curly Bill is just like, you know, that's the prettiest man I've ever seen and uh, you know, Billy Breckenridge is just like, yes he is. And then right. when um Billy Zane's character dies and Billy just kind of like is holding his hand. You know, it's it's not being, it's not shying away from a homosexual relationship. The movie does not, no, no, the movie doesn't shy away from it. And I don't think it, you know, there was no, like you said, in terms of audience, (laughs) no. But it's not beating people over the head with anything. And it's just like, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you know, so many great things about it. I love so many of of the shots and what was really cool it's a to beautiful find out. Movie. The lightning is real. Oh. Yeah. So it's like amazing. all those lightning bolts that you see, I mean this he really uh Cosmatos goes in on like in the commentary uh, about like how in the reviews they all said, "Oh, he went overboard on the fake lightning. He goes, the lightning is real. He goes, the <laughs> lightning is real. He has real lightning, real mustaches, real clothes." And then you see like a lightning effect like outside the window of the bar. Yeah, and he goes, "The lightning effects outside the bar. That's not real." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. S- big ups to William A. Fracker, who's a cinematographer. Fraker was it? Fraker. Yeah, I, yeah. He Never actually heard it said yeah. out loud. Uh, he talked. Well, he. I heard it ta- said out loud oh, okay. in in the commentary. Yeah, so uh, would be uh, the only. You know, time. you would know him from War Games, Heaven Can Wait, Space Camp, Baby Boom. Yeah, the classics. So yeah, I mean, you know, just a, shoot a movie. somebody who worked a ton. But yeah, you know, this movie w- had a lot of opportunities to to look and feel really gorgeous because you know it was filmed right outside of. Tombstone, Arizona is very, it felt very appropriate. I know that a lot of the the extras in it are people who are like reenactors of the OK Corral gunfight. Like, you know, there's people who are very involved with it. Dan, you know, I was actually looking just at Google Maps and I was I was just loving seeing Tombstone, Arizona's, you know, pride for this, you know, kind of place in history. You know, you've got places like Virgil's Corner Bed and Breakfast, Big Nose Kate's Saloon, and, you know, they they really embrace its its history. There's the old Tombstone Western theme park, uh, and I know that they do at the OK Corral have, like, full-on, like, reenactments, and you can see the pool table that Morgan died on, and all of those things is is it is it as authentic looking as Wild West City in Netcong, New Jersey? Wow! Yeah, growing <laughs> up, we used to go to this place called Wild West City, Netcong, New Jersey. I am throwing that out there. I don't know if I'm right. <laughs> let I, me look. Let I me gotta confirm. I gotta look this up. Wild West City. I know that we have lots of pictures. Oh, they actually still have a, a website oh wait no oh wait i'm looking at wild west emporium in oregon city oregon oh, wild west oh, city no. in Scott- no, no, no. sussex wild county west new jersey city exists where there was no wild it west still exists oh yeah the new jersey my god yeah it still exists that's amazing wildwestcity.com go to new jersey and check it out in the middle of new jersey you can find a definitely not authentic because it is nowhere near the, anything wet on the hey, east coast. Hey, it's the Wild West. Forget about it. Bam, bam, bam. Come on <laughs> down. Exit 24 on the parkway. Yo, Frankie, hand me my six shooter. Pow, pow, pow. 
<laughs> so uh yeah dan i um i really loved watching uh, uh tombstone again i probably hadn't seen it since i mean i do, i probably didn't see it when it first came out uh but i definitely saw it once i was into my like, 20s and watching it again uh, just to see you know kurt russell and val kilmer and sam elliott and bill paxton who you know my appreciation for bill paxton has just grown and grown and grown over the years and just to see them and michael bean Uh, bill paxton and michael bean on uh, together again i know aliens yes yeah absolutely and so it's really awesome to watch these people kind of terminator and terminator yeah watching these actors you know and in, in their prime and just performing their hearts oh. out and Val Kilmer Juilliarding all over the place. I mean, yeah, especially and Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell have so many awesome lines. Well, they've got great chemistry. Oh, great chemistry. But like if those lines were written, Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer make those words feel yeah. so authentic every for, and and the iconic like and what i love about this movie uh having seen it several times yeah. is like i knew when certain like i went and like turned off the commentary because i'm like all right the scene is coming up and like you know the the scene where uh you know kurt russell is like you know you tell him i'm coming you tell him i'm coming and hell's coming with yeah. me yeah. Ah, i believe that some of those lines are actually recorded history (laughs) yes a lot of those things you know actually were said you know i'm your i think doc holidays uh i don't know if it's i'm i'm your huckleberry line or yeah like there's definitely some of the lines that were said like were actually said like but i feel like the way that val kilmer said them is like the coolest way somebody could possibly say them Yes. You know, thinking (laughs) about Val Kilmer's career, which has certainly had its peaks and valleys, I think about this performance and just a few years before this in The Doors. Oh, yeah. As like, man, if I'm and there are so many other like top secret for sure. Um, Well, have you seen his documentary, Val? I haven't. Dan. I shame I'm like, on you. Ah, uh, because I'm like, oh, it's gonna be sad. I'm like, I'm gonna be sad. So what? It's okay to be sad. Yeah, no, but I'm sad enough without watching movies. Oh, and last week you told me that you know you'd never seen Grizzly Man, and now you tell me you've never seen Val. Oof. These are some some of the 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 great documentaries of the past. I, I, I know, I know, I know, but I have to like, it, when I know what I'm getting into, you know, I need to be in a specific place where I've definitely like sat there and looked at it and like, it is in the queue, but. So, okay. So I'll, okay. I'll tell you this based on what I remember from what he said in Val doing top secret. It was maybe, I think his first movie and he didn't love what he was doing. He didn't feel like he was really acting. He felt like he was just kind of playing around. And I think that once the doors happened, it was like, this is my opportunity to show what I'm capable of. Because he is a trained, you know, Juilliard actor. And, uh, you know, to to put on a performance like that was, you know, a real challenge for him and was just his showcase. And I think that same goes for uh, Tombstone, which I know he's very proud of. He is a visual artist and does a lot of art that is inspired by, you know, his character in, uh, well, by Doc Holliday. Right. And uh, to know that he puts a lot of effort, even in the past few years, into things from that part of his career. And he does do some Batman Forever stuff because, you know what, even if it wasn't the greatest time in his life, he can embrace it for what it was. And I appreciate well, that about him. Also, when you talk was... about peaks and valleys, if we're going to talk about other peaks, McGruber, moving on. Yes, uh, abs- no argument. But The Doors, man, that, just such such an incredible performance. And this too, that's another thing that stands out about Tombstone and that is just kind of affirmed by the commentary is that the people involved 
really cared about it and cared about making a a good movie. Yeah. Everyone was there to to make a good movie. So uh, and mission accomplished and they were there and they yeah. loved it. Yeah. One other quick thing about Doc Holliday. They nailed it with making him look like he has tuberculosis and that he's, you know, hanging on by a thread. Whereas in Wyatt Earp, uh, Dennis Quaid, you know, he looked skinnier, but he didn't he didn't have right. the sweat pouring off of him and soaking all of his clothes the way that it, they did it for Val Kilmer. Oh, no. Yeah. He looks like he's going to just die and yeah. he's like when he when he like passes out on the horse yeah he's like oh i guess he's he's dead but no. yeah so and i will say the the walk to the okay corral the four of them walking which you see in every single iteration every telling of it is the you know you see the four of them walking which i know that it also predates in popular culture tombstone but I want to say that most all of them after were probably trying to recapture the beauty of how it appeared in Tombstone with that building burning in the background and oh, just yeah. the, you know, the the discomfort of it all. And it, it just looks so cool and the music is swelling and it's just perfect. And, you know, that sequence in the in the first cut, which was about which was like over three hours long. Uh, just that sequence. That, that sequence was going to be longer. No, well, yeah. you know all the shots over the ending credits from that sequence? Oh, I don't even remember. As in the ending credits, you just see like kind of filtered footage and it's the four of them, yeah, mm-hmm. walking uh to the OK Corral and that was all those were all shots that were part of that sequence. But the studio was like, all right, this movie's long, you need to cut some things. Well, every single element that was in there, you know, Doc Holliday whistling, the kid running out, like all of those things that just kind of like build the suspense, like oh, really yeah. worked. And the, it, the building of suspense yeah. in this movie is done so well. It's the sequence that I was talking about before where the Earps uh, are attacked, uh, the build of suspense uh, when they're, you know, in the bar um, you know, the timing of Morgan, you know, hitting the ball and the, the yeah. gunshot through the wind, uh, you know, the thunder, the lightning and, you know, kind of culminating in, in Kurt Russell just out in the middle of the street, just like drenched in blood and just telling everyone to get away from him. Yeah. It's- also in the middle of that, uh, in the middle of that Josephine coming from one side oh, yeah. and then Maddie on the other side. And he's like this bullshit too now. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Also, Kurt Russell just looks so damn cool. Yes. The the mustache, his jaw, his eyes, just like everything about him was just like, hell yeah. Oh. Especially compared to just like dopey looking Kevin Costner. Right. It feels to me, and I don't know, maybe this is fodder for some, maybe this is the idea, I don't know, but hypothetical discussion between Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell about what they were going for. And, you know, it felt like Kevin Costner was like, I want to show people the man behind the legend. And, and Kurt Russell was all like, fuck that, the legend. Like, <laughs> no one yeah. wants, yeah, like, yeah. the truth is boring. We want the legend, like Christmas Day. <laughs> and it's what people wanted. I mean, this outperformed Wyatt Earp. I mean, it performed really well at the box office, uh, exceeding expectations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we're talking about it today. And we're not the only People ones talking talk about, about it today. This is not. We're some, not the only ones yeah, talking about obscure it. Obscure movie. Yeah. Like I was saying, ScreenRant.com is putting out an article of a month, essentially, about different, you know, facets of, of Tombstone. Uh, but yeah. So clearly we love this movie. It's so much fun. I watched it on, I think, like Tubi or something. And then I picked it up on Blu-ray from the library. Oh. and. I'm telling you, I watched it again and I was maybe even more invested in watching it than I was the first time. And it was like maybe in, you know, a three day span that I watched the two of those and knowing like, oh yeah, this is the part where, you know, Johnny Ringo's twirling his guns around and then Doc Holliday twirls the little glass around and, you know, it's like, oh, I just want to like watch it even closer because it's, I, I know that it's 
fascinating and I want to like soak again in. the tension the 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 tension I mean yeah the that shootout the shootout at at the river when Kurt Russell just walks across and him and Curly Bill comes into the water and Powers Booth who's awesome great. I you know love Powers Booth also in MacGruber right anyway 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 but Powers Booth is you know so cool he's so good you know he he does such a good job at making you see the cowboys for being something other than just like these horrible murderers you know he's buying everybody around at the bar he's you know like he's breaking the tension after like at that moment after you know michael bean is trying to you know make doc holiday look like a fool and embarrass him and then doc holiday like doubles down and embarrasses Michael Bean by swirling around the little glass in his hand. And uh, yeah, and that's when Powers Booth is Curly Bill, like mm-hmm. cuts the tension and is just like, uh-oh, somebody's got to do something or else this is going to get bad. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a great way of just showing how this, this these organized criminals, this organized crime, like how they, you know, get through a situation and not just steamroll. No, it's funny uh, that you, you, you know, think of them that way. Cause as you know, I'm sitting here and listening, I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, they're kind of like the mob, except that I feel like the mob was much more helpful to people, you know, like the Godfather, yeah. you know, it's the, the baker, you know, Enzo, the, the, the baker, you yeah. know, he goes to the Godfather because the police don't help him. So, you know, the cowboys are, uh, you know, they're they're a gang and they're and, you know, if you're part of that gang, you you are taken care of to quote West Side Story. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. It's the same thing with the cowboys. I mean, they even like they even at one point off like they're going to like when after Michael Rooker leaves them. Another Stallone connection because Michael Rooker uh, was in Cliffhanger this very same year. Oh, that was this year too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that oh. Stallone is also oh. in. Yeah. Well, as Kurt Russell's in that too. At, in right in the second one, you yeah. get all three of them. Yeah. Interesting. So I yeah I mean man, whew, small world, but <laughs> uh, yeah it, Hollywood. It, it, it's a great movie and. Yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised that after Tombstone came out and was successful, I feel like maybe there should have been some recuts done on Wyatt Earp. No kidding. To, yeah. I, I I wonder if, like, they just doubled down and we're like, no, we are going to be the anti-Tombstone. I, we're gonna I think get, so. Let, we're like, because Tombstone did not get, like, Academy Award nominations. No. Uh, and I bet you Kevin Cosman, no, no, no. I think that Wyatt Earp got a nomination for maybe score, cinematography, something like that. I, I, I want to say uh, cinematography, I believe. Cinematography. The late, great yeah. Owen Roisman. Oh, it was Owen Roisman, yeah. So that wouldn't be a surprise then. And Wyatt Earp, it, it, it's fine. It, it's fine. No, it's not. It's not fine. It looks fine. Yeah, looks yeah. Fine. Owen Reutzman was was nominated for that. Yeah, but Tombstone looks better. Like, if you're going to choose, I don't see why anyone, if choosing between the two, unless they're like, well, I've seen Tombstone a thousand times, but I've never seen Wyatt Earp. I guess I'll put that on. Or I can't seem to fall asleep. Do you have yes. any ideas? <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also got that one from the library uh, on, on DVD. And I was just like, I'm glad I didn't pay for this. Thank no. you oh. to the local library. But yeah. Yeah, and, I looked but, I looked to see if, if it was streaming anywhere. But no. Yeah. I, I Like I said, like I'm like, I had seen parts of it before. Like, I know I've seen one scene with Dennis Quaid. I was just like, okay, so that's oh, you know who the original pick for Doc Holiday was? In Tell me. Willem Dafoe. Oh yeah. But Disney didn't want to touch him because of Last Temptation of Christ. Yes. Yeah. And I think that Willem Dafoe would have been good. It would have been very different, but it would probably would have been very good. I still. mean, like 
of course it would because Willem Dafoe is is the ultimate chameleon. I mean, Willem Dafoe has practically played a chameleon. Yes. Oh, I would have been interested to have seen like if Willem Dafoe was the Doc Holiday in Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay, all right. I'm intrigued. I want to watch that. Yeah. Man, Val Kilmer, especially at this point in Val Kilmer's career, yeah, just nailed it. It's perfect. Yes. So, Dan, it is, you know, 30 years later. What would you do to bring back Tombstone? <laughs> well, I, I don't know that I would bring back Tombstone per se. I would, however, be interested in the idea of seeing Kurt Russell play Wyatt Earp again. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it would be Wyatt Earp in his later years where he's living in California. Now, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that there was a movie made about Wyatt Earp in his later years uh, in Hollywood where he and uh, silent film cowboy Tom Mix, like, I think, team up to... I don't know if they solve a murder. It's called Sunset. I've never actually seen it. It was, uh, I believe, Blake Edwards. Here, I'm I'm bringing it up right now. Uh, It was with James Garner as Wyatt Earp and Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah, he's an advisor on on the movie about himself. What a weird life. Oh, right. You you do all this stuff and, and become known as, you know, this this renegade and this lawman and you, you know, become known for this particular period during your time in Tombstone, Arizona. And then you are often Hollywood advising on movies about yourself and your own exploits. That's so strange. Right. It It's strange. And then it, but it's also like, huh. There's always that aspect uh, of and, you know, I don't know if if we've ever seen this in films. I don't know if this was the case with Earp, where it was like, well, yeah, I'm going to advise it so I can make sure I come out of this looking good. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of revisionist history. Yeah. Um, Anyway, in this movie. Oh, yeah. So it's um, Earp's ex-girlfriend's son is missing. And the man is that the title? No, <laughs> no, there's the sunset uh, and Malcolm McDowell plays. It's just called sunset. Team. It's just called sunset. I think it like bombed weird hard in 1988. So I, I'm pretty sure it came out. Yeah, it came out um, late April 1988. So, yeah, the movie that Bruce Willis was in right before. Yeah, Die Hard. Die Hard. Thank God. Um, oh, Strange. And actually, what's interesting is I was thinking, like, you know, we were saying that Kevin Costner was going for, like, you know, more who was the real Wyatt Earp, and Kurt Russell was going for, like, the legend. Yeah. I feel like this is an opportunity to kind of flip it, because... I don't know that that we need to see action hero Wyatt Earp. And you could do flashbacks. You could recreate all this stuff. Um, yeah. And you could definitely get... I mean, apparently Wyatt Russell is into playing... Well, who is named for named Wyatt for Earp. Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Uh, apparently Wyatt Russell is into playing his father, like, you know, as a younger... He, they're, they're in something yeah, now together. They're in something together. Yeah. yeah. Is he playing the younger version of his dad? I think so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like Wyatt Russell a lot. I think he's great. Yeah. I mean, he comes from great stock, so there's that. Yeah. I yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could you could have him and then I don't know, you you could have another uh I, I don't really like the term because I feel like a lot of them are really very talented and you know, earn success on their own merits, but quote unquote Nepo babies yeah. have, you know, we could get cast Maya have Jack Hawk. Quaid as Doc Holliday. Oh, oh, wow. It's crossing the universes. I like Jack Quaid. Yeah, I could go for that. Yeah. You know, or, I don't think he'd be a good Doc Holliday at all. No. Neither was his dad. No, 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 no. Now that I'm talking about it, it reminds me a little bit of the bookends of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, where okay. he's past his prime. He's like, at least it seems like Wyatt Earp was getting a little bit more respect uh, in his later years than Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones, who's like, you know, talking to a bored classroom. Yeah. But I feel like you've got this Wyatt Earp who's, you know, it's like on the one hand, like, yeah, he survived it. It's much better to not be getting shot at all the time. But on the other hand, 
oh man he was like i was good at that and yeah it's another one of those movies about like you know what do you do when you can't do the thing that you were put on this planet to do right like yeah. where you just can't do that anymore and, uh, you know i know it's been it's been done before but having a uh you know a, a more character focused piece you have the action in flashbacks and you have him you you know advising in hollywood cuz i think those are kind of the years we'd be getting to you know erp in his 70s Mm-hmm. I suppose early 70s, late 60s. That's about where we have Kurt Russell. Yeah. I think that's how I would bring it back. And I think, uh, you know, the interest in seeing Kurt Russell play Wyatt Earp. Like, why am I talking about like re- doing recreations? You could just use the, the movie um, yeah. <laughs> to, to flashback. All that stuff that got cut out. Right. Uh, but, you know, you could go back further and you could show... You know, a lot of the stuff that like Kevin Glasser was like, yeah, we're going to show, you know, really that, you know, get behind who the man was. You could kind of do it this way and have have Kurt Russell. And maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a series. I I don't know who 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 does it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the old Western hero who watching these recreations being made, watching these silent films, remembering the his reality of it and coping with the fact that, damn it, I have to watch somebody else. Yeah. Shoot Ike Clanton or whatever. Yeah. Like, come on. Which by the way, Stephen Lang is so good. Yes. Very sweaty. Very sweaty. Stephen Lang. So, uh, commits so hard. And, you know, one of just the great villains in, in films, great at, at, at just digging into those bad guy roles. Yeah, I mean, Avatar lately has been kind of his his big one. Avatar, I think back to him in uh, The Hard Way. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography. That dude has worked. Oh, yeah. Ever since he started in 85, it's just been bam, 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 bam. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, everyone's seen something with him in it, even even if they don't realize. But he's a chameleon. You know who I kind of see him... uh, yeah, you know, like I feel like I would put him in the same group with like Michael Shannon, who another one who can can play other than the bad guy, but man is so good. Michael Shannon, who maybe is in the movie that we're covering next, but we'll get to that after I share my thoughts. Ah, uh, yes. So, what I was thinking is a. Movie about, and I'd say this is inspired by the making of Tombstone and Wyatt Earp and all of the messiness between Kevin Costner and the studios and how, you know, Tombstone bought up all of the period costumes. So Wyatt Earp had to import theirs from Europe. Like there was all these things that were going on that were kind of like screwing with each one. I think that Kevin Costner really tried to do more damage than Tombstone tried to do for Wyatt Earp, but I'd love to see a movie about two movie two movies being made about the same thing at the same time and the shenanigans that go on between them to try to screw the other one up. Okay, so not specifically. I thought you were going with one of those FX, you know, mini like a Fosse Verdon like Russell Costner but no, no, I don't want to see for a fictional. No, absolutely fictional. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to see something that's actually based on this because I don't think it's interesting enough. But it's a good jumping off point. I'm thinking kind of the tone of a state in Maine. Have you seen that? The David Mamet? Yeah. Uh, the tone of not the not that. Sure. But just kind of like that. The shenanigans and the things going on, like the different a nice ensemble cast. Like you've oh, got yeah. your publicist, you've got your 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 lawyers, you've got your studio li- lawyers, you've got your actors, you've got the diva star. Yeah, and you could also have actors playing versions of themselves. That's a really fashionable thing to do lately, and that that's a really good opportunity to do this. Also, if you are using Tombstone and Wyatt Earp as kind of the framework for this, both of those have these stacked casts where it's just like, who was 
available to do anything else during this time. You know, right. when these are being shot. Well, it's uh, yeah, I feel like it's kind of like if you were a British actor when they were making like the Lord of the Rings and the Harry Potter movies, and yeah. it was just kind of like booked. which one of it's kind of like they were picking teams and they were like one two one two like all right yeah. you go to Harry Potter you get Maggie Smith you, yes yeah. I would love to see a a great comedy about two studios making uh two competing films being being made about this I'm just my mind is just spinning about like what would be the topic in it or like would it be an adaptation because i'm also thinking back to like there were there were going to be two um alexander the great movies because baz lerman was right. going to make one and then I, I think oliver stone got that shut down yeah i think that you could pick from any i mean uh, let's see what's a, a historical event that hasn't been covered in a movie it's kind of hard to find them these days I mean, but, it, it, yeah, I guess it depends on the type of humor you want to you want to do in this, because that that kind of determines the event that you do. Maybe or, it's like or it's a giant like a giant meteor movie where. Well, or yeah. it's something that's from like a, a Bible story, like something that maybe just hasn't been, you know, a movie hasn't been made of it. And it's like, you know, oh, we're finally going to do the, you know, the story of uh you know, King Solomon, you know, it's like the big King Solomon movie. And it's like, I'm just trying to think like something that's so dumb and like nothing that like nobody would actually make a movie about it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this is not for right now. We're not going to find the idea right now. All right. So, Dan, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to cover on our Arkansas episode? Yes, we're headed. Uh, we are headed over to Arkansas and we're going to be talking about mud, not just the wet mud. dirt, but the movie Mud uh, starring Matthew McConaughey. And yeah, we're dipping into the McConaissance. Yes, this is like this was, I think, I want to say like the dawn of the McConaissance. It was right it was in around there. then, uh, you know, written, directed by Jeff Nichols. And we've also got Sam Shepard, the aforementioned Michael Shannon. Reese Witherspoon, who we've oh, seen yes. uh, not too long ago. Uh, of course, uh, Sarah On Paulson. On this podcast, not like in person. No, yeah. but no, Reese Witherspoon was with us uh, in Sweet Home Alabama. So, right. yeah, no, uh, we more Reese, never a bad thing. So, uh, yeah, Mud, John, have you seen Mud before? Yes, because I've already watched it for this podcast. Oh well, I met. Okay, have you? S- <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I think I think that I have actually. I think that it was one of those that I put on when I was like doing something else. But uh, I'm excited to talk about it on our next episode, and uh, I really feel like it's a, a a great way to dip into uh, a bit of Arkansas. Arkansas. Film. Yeah, I'm excited. I've never seen it before, so uh, I'm I have not watched it yet. Looking forward to it. Well, Dan, as you and the Earp brothers are walking side by side to the OK Corral, I wish you a sweaty good journey. Good journey. (laughs) 